You are now tuning in to the Top Shelf Edition, presented by Northern Superior Brewing Company. Northern Superior Brewing Company always brings forward top shelf product and customer satisfaction. Located on 50 Pym Street in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Northern Superior is available for local delivery or provide a friendly yet exciting atmosphere inside its tap room. Follow Northern Superior on Instagram or Facebook. You can also check out their website at northernsuperior.org. At Northern, we're superior. It's a Northern thing. Now how about some hockey chat? Let's get to the crew inside the Gem Studios, bringing you Gem and the Game Sports Show Hockey Edition, Top Shelf. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show, Top Shelf Edition, presented by Northern Superior Brewing Company. It is your host, David McKaig Jr. And speaking of Northern Superior Brewing Company, Hey, if you're looking any further to have some delicious beer, just make sure you dive into a Northern Superior Brewing Company pint. You can check them out on Facebook and Instagram as well as the website, northernsuperior.org. And I must note, free local deliveries as well for those residing in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. As I mentioned from the top, it is David McCaig Jr. and it's going to be yours truly for this entire edition of Top Shelf as my other fellow co-hosts that join me for Top Shelf are unable to join me here this evening. But for this edition of Top Shelf, going to get to the agenda portion. We're going to have a little bit of hashtag gem local update with getting into the National Hockey League with reaction of the NHL trade deadline for this edition. Now getting to shows that are here on the Game Sports Show. And what am I talking about? Well, there are multiple shows outside of the Top Shelf Edition, as many of you know. Just recently, yesterday, that would be our ESPN 1400 Edition has been uploaded on thegamesportshow.com and all platforms where you can listen to the game, as well as just various episodes that you can keep track of that have been recently uploaded. And coming up later this week as well, we will have an and one edition, but in particular, I want to give a special shout out right now to our Little Caesars special edition upload, which we will have tomorrow, that is April the 14th, as we have Martin St-Pierre headlining our next special edition upload. What a fantastic interview, and the recording was prior to his retirement, but it's still fantastic stories that we got into, and I must say that he did have over a thousand professional games. That is simply Fantastic. So make sure you keep an eye on those uploads coming up. But right now, you're here joining me for the Top Shelf Edition. And, of course, as I've already mentioned, a solo feel here for yours truly tonight. But everyone knows that I can certainly talk a bunch. So let's get into it. Firstly, I want to get into the gem local that I mentioned off the hop. As released here today, April the 13th, at the time of this upload, the update that we've received is that there will not be a 2021 Memorial Cup as it has been cancelled for the second straight season. Obviously, the WHL and the QMJHL have their seasons underway, and I must say they're shortened seasons, of course, given the COVID-19 restrictions. However, the Ontario Hockey League is the only league that has not been started as of yet. And to be honest, it seems that a start to the OHL season seems extremely unlikely, unfortunately, which is really unfortunate for the players, especially the overage players in the Ontario Hockey League. Nonetheless, Speaking of the QMJHL and the WHL, uh, they are slated to have their playoffs started where there'll be a bubble base of sorts for those playoffs. So around the gem local reaction here that I want to get to with the Memorial Cup having their cancellation for their second straight year, this can't come as a surprise to anyone. It is extremely unfortunate, as I have mentioned. Okay, the players don't get the opportunity to play for such a... A fantastic glory in their career. We've had a lot of professional hockey players that have come on this show for interviews that can talk about their days in the Memorial Cup, either they've participated for it or have won it, and the, the memories last a lifetime. They're priceless. They're the beginning of a hockey professional career for a lot of players, right? After you're finished in major junior, you enter the professional levels, despite if that's in the East Coast, the American Hockey League, the NHL, or if you go overseas to Europe where there's multiple cities and countries that you can play in in Europe, in particular with special edition co-host Brendan Brooks can allude to with that in particular. But, you know, it's certainly, as I said, unfortunate, but as I mentioned, it shouldn't be a surprise because of everything that has gone on with COVID-19 and the restrictions. We are currently in 
our lockdown state in Ontario for lockdown 3.0. I actually call it enhanced lockdown 3.0. It almost seems like a lockdown 3.5, which has certainly caused a lot of effects to people even outside of the rink. But sticking to the rink with Gem Local and the Ontario Hockey League in particular, the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds will not be icing. But we did have Sioux Thunderbirds ice this year where, of course, they played the rest of their games of the season against the Blind River Beavers in the quote-unquote COVID Cup. And, of course, the Thunderbirds did win that as we alluded to in other shows and as you can see uh, through looking at the Sioux Thunderbirds website and social media pages. However, it would have been fantastic to see the team that the Sioux Greyhounds could have ice this year okay what if Cole Caulfield came over would that have been an option or would he still be in the American Hockey League would he would we have seen Malik return would we have seen the talent really develop in the suit to become a really exciting team to watch again and overall would they have been successful to host the Memorial Cup all that now remains as a mystery and now we got to look forward into next season for the uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds as it seems at this current point and the reason why I'm saying that is yes I hope somehow the Ontario Hockey League can ice something from May until June have a little kind of an NCAA style type tournament and kind of a bracket format and have someone walk away as the OHL champion this year that would be fantastic to see but it all matters and depends on the state of the province and if that is safe to do. Then you can maybe look at bubbles and maybe get that underway, but it's still a lot of planning that would have to be done to do a shortened type year, then jump into a playoffs and just have 10 teams per conference jump in. That is going to be extremely tough, especially with teams that are involved in the United States of America. What are you going to do with those teams? It's a very kind of more complicated situation for the Ontario Hockey League, in particular, if you want to compare it to the QMJHL. The WHL, of course, to be fair, had to do a lot of planning, and they were the first league to really get started, so kudos to them. But the OHL would be extremely tight and be extremely difficult to get it started at this current point. So I just want to say to listeners that, unfortunately, I don't want to be too much as a barrier of bad news as I seem to be kind of going with the repeat of a lot of other media outlets as well but as I mentioned I don't want to be the bearer of bad news but if I am being the bearer of bad news to you by saying this I do apologize but it seems that an OHL season is unlikely and for those living in Sault Ste. Marie watching Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds you may have to wait until next year and again I will say again it is extremely unfortunate but the overall the Memorial Cup has been canceled for a second straight season I wanted to jump into the National Hockey League now there's a lot to get into here I'm not going to go into each trade and dissect every trade you can look on TSN ESPN you can look at other outlets of sports such as Barstool and Sportsnet you can look at different trades that were released online and on their website uh, there's there's a lot of trades we could dive into but I am going to pick and choose particular trades and give you my kind of reaction about those trades. And the reason why there's certain types of trades that stand out more than others is because the teams that were buyers that bought. There's teams that were sellers that did sell, and even some teams that were supposed to be sellers didn't, and maybe teams that were supposed to be buyers that didn't buy. But there is a lot to certainly get into here. And of course, as many of you may have noticed, this is typically more of a shorter type version of Top Shelf. But I want to make sure I got the relevant content out as soon as possible to the listeners about just going through the particular trades. And a few trades that caught my eye even prior to the trade deadline was, I'll stay right off the hop here, the Toronto Maple Leafs acquiring Riley Nash from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a 2022 seventh round selection. Riley Nash is a good bottom six forward. Obviously, he is injured out four to six weeks. He is on LTIR, so the Leafs get to put that cap hit on LTIR to be able to open up more cap. But Riley Nash is a very interesting player because of his ability to take face-offs, his two-way style. He'll be very effective on the penalty kill, and it gives depth to that bottom six for the Toronto Maple Leafs that they were really looking into. And Riley Nash can play wing. He can play center. He can play it all. He is certainly the type of guy that you want in the playoffs and something that Toronto's really been starving for to have in the playoffs. There's been a lot of players that they've gotten, though, right throughout the offseason to now. You can consider Wayne Simmons. Now you consider Riley Nash. You've had a Jumbo Joe in the offseason, Jason Spence 
defense has been reborn. The Leafs have certainly kind of brought in some great depth to really support that upper cast in Toronto. Other trades even prior to the official deadline, if you will, one that caught everybody's eye. And this involves the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Red Wings, and also the the Tampa Bay Lightning. And obviously the David Savard getting moved from the Columbus Blue Jackets, okay, he gets moved over to the Detroit Red Wings in a trade that saw Brian Lashoff firstly go to Columbus. That was the trade. But then you had the little retention, of course, of salary. David Savard then goes to the Tampa Bay Lightning for the fourth round pick in 2021. Tampa Bay Lightning then get Brian Lashoff where Columbus got a 2021 first and a 2022 third do you follow me? If you don't, it is totally fine. A three-way trade that assisted Tampa Bay to be able to get David Savard with retention of salary coming from Columbus and the Detroit Red Wings. And what I want to get into with this trade is David Savard was the most coveted defenseman on the board in the trade deadline, kind of trade bait, if you will, trade tracker, media outlets, where he is a great shutdown defenseman, okay? and But he had an expiring contract that needed to be kind of brought to attention of Columbus. Is this someone you're going to be resigning? Are you going into the playoffs? Obviously, Columbus is in tough this year, and being able to resign him, it doesn't seem like that is going to be a thing. So being able to move him and get the asset that you did is fantastic, especially in a type world right now where we have COVID-19, where the flatline cap, and you have an unrestricted free agent. To get a first-round pick and a third-round pick Okay, to, to for in support of David Savard, I feel was a great move. David Savard had six points uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets in 40 games, and he was a minus 19. But there's a guy who blocks shots. He's going to be a superior penalty killer. He's going to help the, the second and third pairing for the Tampa Bay Lightning, which, let's be honest, Tampa Bay Lightning is already a very deep team. They, they are very strong defensively, but adding this depth is just going to put them over the top to be even more uh, of a favorite. And... They're in tough in their division. Look at the Central Division. Tampa Bay, Carolina, Florida. Top three are running the show in that division. No offense to Nashville. No offense to Chicago in the tight push. It's going to be really close going down the fourth. But Tampa Bay is still the team in that division for me. The Florida Panthers, though, they got something special going on there. And they did make moves, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But the Tampa Bay Lightning getting David Savard was certainly the most intriguing trade prior to the deadline because of they started the domino effect, if you will, with the salary retention, which, again, kudos to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And of course, Stevie Eisenman got into a couple deals that of course we'll jump into. And I know Scott Neeson dove into it with Butch Davis on our ESPN 1400 edition. So when we talk about the Red Wings, they were the type of team that can absorb potential cap. Maybe the San Jose Sharks were a team despite having the contract issues. Maybe the Ottawa Senators could have been a team. There's different teams that you could have used. And of course, Tampa Bay utilized that option to be able to kind of avoid the type of issues that the salary cap could bring. So David Zavard goes over to the Tampa Bay Lightning. He will be an unrestricted free agent. I'd be very surprised if he did resign in Tampa. So again, Tampa Bay's all in this year after, uh, of course, winning the Stanley Cup last year in the bubble. The more trades did occur that went through on before the April 12th deadline. And the ones that I want to bring up, of course, John Merrill going over to the Montreal Canadiens. Hayden Verbeek, former Greyhound prospect, I'll give a shout out there, goes over the Red Wings for, and also a fifth round pick goes over Detroit. Eisenman was very kind of active on the 11th and the 12th. But the Montreal Canadiens are adding depth to that decor. And they did add a defenseman that I'll get into a little bit later just as a little shutout. But John Merrill is another defensive defenseman. He can have the two-way style. But Montreal is looking to enhance that decor and that depth perspective. And they also have Brandon Gallagher, who's currently hurt, Carey Price, who's battling injury. And the Montreal Canadiens have been accused of being a team that is not ever tough and ever has that grit. But this year, they have that. And bringing in someone like John Merrill is going to be someone who can clear out the front of the net. So if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs who might be playing him in the first round, someone like John Merrill might not be that flashy name, but he can be that simple defenseman that can really slow down a play that can be really essential uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. I don't want to compare him to a Zach Bogosian, but there could be a lot of similarities there to what they bring to the table. Now, 
before I even jump in more to the Toronto Maple Leafs, because the Leafs were really active on April the 11th, the Mike Riley trade to the Boston Bruins for a third-round pick, I feel like the Ottawa Senators got a really good asset for in a type of market that it is for Mike Riley, somebody who could be in and even out of the lineup for Ottawa. He's obviously frequently playing, but on a very good team, Mike Riley, I think, in my honest opinion, is a fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman in the National Hockey League, depending on what team that you have him on. And he is obviously a former Montreal Canadiens. He's played in all 40, uh, t- he played in 40 games for the Ottawa Center. Sorry is what I should say. He has 19 assists, very good numbers this year. But when you want to look at him that playing for Ottawa last year or looking at Montreal the years prior to that, even Minnesota breaking into the league, this guy is a former fourth-round pick in the 2011 NHL draft. Uh, anyone doesn't forget that 2011 draft. That is a Ryan Nugent Hopkins draft. Uh, this He was drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets, and he played at the University of Minnesota. And he was a big standout that I recall, obviously, with the University of Minnesota in 2012 all the way to 2015 before he transitioned to the Wild, and there's a lot of expectation. So in my opinion, though, I do see Riley as a 5-6-7 defenseman, more so on the 5-6 and six point, however may I stress. So going over to Boston is certainly going to add more depth to that decor for the Boston Bruins as they pursue the for their Stanley Cup playoff hopes as they're in a division that is also still pretty tight where they are, but I can't see the Flyers or Rangers really catching them. So I think the playoff picture is really set in the East division, but the Boston Bruins, I find that a very interesting trade with Mike Riley as that's a team that added depth. And speaking of those Boston Bruins, they weren't done on April the 11th, which is why I started with Mike Riley. I'm leading towards the Taylor Hall trade. Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar go over to the, the Boston Bruins for Andres Briark and a 2021 second round pick. Now, Taylor Hall this year is having a very interesting year. He was signed by the Buffalo Sabres, two goals in 37 games. Here's a guy that I thought, and so did many others, going over to Buffalo would have so much change. Playing with someone like Jack Eichel, Olofsson. Playing with some young guys such as Casey Middlestad and having a good fit in there. Dylan Cousins getting the chance there. Maybe something could be brought forward in Hall again where he had that Hart Trophy type season with the New Jersey Devils where he had 93 points. But it hasn't worked out. He had 19 points, but that still put him third on the team in points. Obviously, Jack Eichel only had 21 games, so maybe essentially Jack would be first and more Taylor would be fourth. But that still had him third on the team in points. That doesn't say much about the Buffalo Sabres. They've had a a brutal season and one that's very laughable. And I unfortunately say that as a friend of mine, Colin Miller, is on that team. And it's certainly a better team. I I thought they were much better on paper. Okay, but now on the ice, they are extremely struggling. And it's been like that since this, essentially since the season has started. And with Taylor Hall moving, it shouldn't have been any surprise to anyone that he did move. But going over to the Boston Bruins, people did think, why not Edmonton? Why not the Colorado Avalanche? Heck, why not the Toronto Maple Leafs? Colorado was very interesting. I thought that'd be a very good fit. The Edmonton Oilers were not going to give up assets for Taylor Hall. They didn't seem like they were too interested in making additions as they kind of reset going into an offseason where they're going to clear a lot of cap space. Taylor Hall will likely either sign in Edmonton in the offseason or a team like Colorado in the offseason. Something that maybe where they feel they didn't have to give up the assets at this current time. And the Boston Bruins are in a tight battle in their division where they feel they have a chance to come up. And Taylor Hall, they thought was a great chance to be able to really change uh, their fourth place placement to maybe try to make a move up to third place in that division. But again, they are really behind Pittsburgh and the Islanders and and also the Capitals. They're 10 points behind the Capitals and Islanders at the time of this recording. So at this time, you're looking like you're playing Washington in that first round. So you are in tight. But everyone looks at Andreas Bjork. Let's go back for a second to Andreas Bjork. Okay, this is a former fifth-round pick in the 2014 draft. He played at Notre Dame. He had 52 points in Notre Dame in his last year. He was a great college standout for Notre Dame. He started in Boston right out of college, and he had 30 games, 12 points, and then he was up and down the American Hockey League for a couple years before getting full-time with Boston in 2019-2020. This is somebody who is a bottom-six guy who's going to work hard. It could be a guy who's fast, drive the net, and he's very, very, very should I say, 
three varies on that, underrated in terms of what his role can be as a player. I don't see him as a top six guy, but someone who could obviously be a top bottom six guy and a top penalty killer on your team, which is always something you can have. And maybe he just needed that kind of chance. Bjork, he played the 2016 World Juniors at three goals in seven games. There's somebody who could put the puck in the net if he finds the right scenario and maybe can get his legs a bit more under in Buffalo as he gets the ice time. But we're here to talk about Taylor Hall. This is somebody who was a former first overall pick by the Edmonton Oilers in 2010. How can somebody like this fall so much? It is all based on fit. Taylor Hall is still an effective goal scorer. He is still an effect on the ice, and this is a massive improvement for the Boston Bruins, all right? This is a team that has enhanced their top six. They brought in somebody who can certainly be immediate impact on their power play as well, and people say, well, where is he going to fit on this power play? And I really find that I feel that the Boston Bruins are going to put him more on a, let's say, second pairing. Because, you know, and you have someone like Jake DeBrusque who has had his struggles this year, who I was actually very surprised that didn't move this year. He's only played in 26 games, nine points. Boston and, and Edmonton, I thought, would be partners on that trade. But obviously that wasn't the case. But this is a team where you can have a power play and move Hall on the first and second pair and have that little secondary scoring outside of what you get from Pasta or even Brad Marchant. And you have... A little bit more of a cast might get a little bit less pressure off of Jake DeBrusque, okay? Maybe all that pressure where he felt, you can kind of put him on that third line role, keep him there. Or maybe you work with him on Taylor Hall in the second power play unit, try to get Jake DeBrusque going. But nonetheless, Hall's going to add that secondary scoring where, you know what, he isn't a secondary scoring type guy. He's a guy who should be on your first line getting 30-plus goals a year. And what team better than for him to go over to Boston and see his fit in there? And if he really does fit, is there a chance that he resigns? I say yes, as long as... Boston can make the salary cap work. I wanted to go into a little bit more extra discussion there with the Taylor Hall is obviously the big apple that fell off the tree prior to the trade deadline. This is the Top Shelf Edition presented by Norton Superior Brewing Company. David McKaig here. We will not have commercials, but I must state that I am going to have some ads via, of course, kind of shutouts. And though my first shutout, I'm going to give one to Living Sisu. Make sure you give them a follow on Instagram at Living S-I-S-U. And that's our good friend, Zach Focali's company. Make sure you check it out for all sports gear and products. And just fantastic overall involvement with the game sports show is Living Sisu. If you're looking to enhance your lifestyle, look no further than, of course, Living Sisu. And I want to give a shout out to the Sports Center Bar and Grill. Named Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario's best sports bar five years in a row. Two years straight with their wings. Right now, we are in lockdown. Make sure you order and support local. Speaking of that as well, a local businessman, Mike Flamia, owns Little Caesars Pizza here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Little Caesars, yes, is a franchise, but we do have a local owner. So when I stress out local, you are still supporting local in that fashion. Make sure you also check out their online pizza portal for their orders as well. And again, Northern Spirit Brewing Company. I'm sitting here right now enjoying a nice 55 from Northern Superior Brewing Company. They take care of us here on the Game Sports Show, and they will take care of you. Check them out on social media. Getting back to the show here, I want to now dive into the Toronto Maple Leafs. But before I do that, the Taylor Hall trade, there's one more person I forgot to mention, Curtis Lazar. What a fall from grace from, of course, the World Juniors. Maybe there's somebody else that can revive his career in Boston, getting that bottom six chance, getting that penalty killing chance, and just being around a team that can help alleviate... Uh, the pressure that may be on his shoulders that maybe he felt when he started off coming out of junior hockey. You have their good leadership there in Boston. Very interested to see what they do. But the overall value, despite what Bjork can do and how I really pumped them up as a bottom six forward and being impressed, and a second round pick, I do feel that the Buffalo Sabres could have got more of a return for Taylor Hall than what they did. Even though it's more of a buyer's market, there's still, I think, a first-round pick that could have been had from another team. But again, we weren't making those calls. Botterill was making those calls. The Toronto Maple Leafs made a lot of their splashes, of course, on the 11th, bringing in Nick Foligno from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a first and a fourth-round pick. The Leafs also acquired Stephen Nason in that trade. There's also a 2021 fourth-round pick going over that way. So two fourths and a first gone for both forwards. I will say right now, that Nick Foligno, the trade was fantastic. The Columbus Blue Jackets retained 50%. The Sharks retained the 25% of that. Toronto only has 25% 
for Nick Foligno's contract. Dubas worked the cap. That is another reason why he had to sacrifice moving over a first-round pick for that additional 25% to make it work with the San Jose Sharks and to make this other deal work throughout the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. You add somebody who's at seventh forward that they've been coveting. I've said on numerous shows that the Toronto Maple Leafs need to bring in another top six, seven forward, depth defenseman, and insurance goaltender. And they did that on this day. Not saying that I'm flexing and I'm getting everything right, but this is a team that had needs to address because seriously, this is the type of year where you got to go all in. You're in a North Division that you know you can win and be very strong and you've been successful when your game is hot against the Jets. You've already proven you can shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl and when you did that, you exposed the Oilers. The Montreal Canadiens, despite losing on April 12th against them, there's a team uh, that you can defeat. You just got that's Everything with Montreal, though, I would... I would say that they're going to be a feisty team. It won't be a walk in the park for Toronto if they do play them in the first round. But this is a type season where you can win your division and get to the final four. And once you get to the final four, you're looking at other teams and other divisions. Okay? But as of right now, maybe you're not playing Boston. The Central and the East and the West have a lot of good top teams. And it's going to be tough for the teams to come out of those more tough series, I believe. They're going to be grueling so Toronto can go into... They're the final four if they get to that portion, of course, if they're not defeated and really make some noise and help the organization get a Stanley Cup for well over 50 years that a lot of Leaf fans have been waiting for. And yours truly, everyone knows that I am a Leaf fan, but I'm not going to go on the bias statement here. I'm just going to go with the trade deadline results and getting Nick Foligno is that leadership that the Kyle Dubas has been really attracted to. Look at Thornton, look at Spencer. Look at what now Felino brings. You bring in Zach Bogosian, whom is a Stanley Cup winner. You've traded for Jake Muzzin. Everyone loves Jack Campbell, former Greyhound Soupy. Okay? And, of course, Freddie Anderson being put over on LTIR. He will be on LTIR. Okay, I will say this right now. Everyone's wondering what's going on with Freddie Anderson. Let's get real for a second. He is injured. He's battling an injury. Is it as serious as it may seem? I don't think it is. I think Toronto's being very cautious about Freddie Anderson's health because, yeah, he may not be 100%, but he is also, I think, above an 80%. I think if he wanted to play right now, if Toronto was in a dire need of a goalie, he would be in net. But the way Jack Campbell's been playing and the trade they made for Riddick that I'll get to in just a few minutes, it's been essential that you can rest Freddie Anderson. So when you rest Freddie Anderson, put him in LTIR and, and with Riley Nash, and you open up that $7 million in cap relief with making movements on the taxi squad, you have been able to make these type of trades to bring in Felino, to bring in Riddick. And they also made a depth defenseman move that I'll get into. And they also relieved a little roster spot with Alexander Barbanov that I'll get to a little later as well. These are types of trades that Dubas was brought in for. Not just to be the GM, but to be a cap genius. Him and Printham. And this was a type of move that needed to occur to help enhance that seventh forward spot. I would love to see Nick Foligno uh, be that that third line center uh, or third line winger my apologies he can play center a lot of people don't know that he has the ability but he is down as a winger and he will play wing but there's somebody that you can put on that third line wing maybe you put him with Kerfoot because now Kerfoot's gonna have a little bit of pressure alleviated off him and then you also have Mikhaev in there you can kind of really change it around if you want to put Spence up in there you can really rotate things around which is very exciting uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs or maybe Galchenyuk goes down he's also a centerman who's playing wing everyone forgets that he actually does play center as well. There's a lot of movements that Keith can do, and this move needed to happen. But overall, Nick Felino coming in for leadership was essential for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and only not only his leadership, but also for what he can do on the ice on a two-way fashion, killing penalties. He can score goals if he drives it out. Yes, he's not there to get 30 goals. He's a 30-40 type point guy, but you know what? Maybe we have another Zach Hyman here or maybe more of a Zach Hyman who has that experience that could just be anyone used around the lineup which provides that open kind of depth for Keith. And you know what? Dubas didn't have to go crazy making moves. He didn't have to get Nick Foligno and Hall and this guy and this guy. The Leafs have been successful with everything this year. Don't broke, break. Don't attempt to repair something that's not broken. That is the essential thing. The Leafs that have struggles this year but every team goes through struggles. When the Leafs are on, there's not many teams, if any, that can stop them. Let me know about what you think about the Nick Foligno trade. Great movement. It seems like Nick Foligno uh, has arrived in Toronto today, the April the 13th. 
course, going through the the uh, the quarantine period, uh, we may not see Felino, of course, for at least a week. Riddick, David Riddick, flew with the Calgary Flames today. Nice and awkward. Apparently, had some nice chirps from Milan Lucic. Who else would be chirping? But David Riddick goes over to the Toronto Maple Leafs with again. Salary retention trial did give up a third round pick for Riddick. This is a guy, big save Dave, that can make those big saves. He's going to help alleviate rest and pressure off of Campbell and even Hutchinson, who's had a great year. And again, Freddie Anderson, going back to that point on LTIR, you're able to rest him on LTIR. I didn't fully finish that point prior, but I will right now. You're able to rest him, and Freddie Anderson will not join the team until the playoffs. I'm going to flat out say that right now. Freddie Anderson will not be behind the bench until the playoffs. There is no salary cap issues when it comes to playoff time. He will be activated. It will be him and Jack for the playoffs. Something happens to Jack. Something happens to Freddie. Boom. You got David Riddick who's ready to go in. Or boom, Michael Hutchinson who, oh my goodness. Hutchinson, listen, you've had a great season for Toronto. But if you're a Leaf fan, it might be a little bit concerned if you ever had to resort to him. But this is the assurance that you needed to have as a Leaf fan and the insurance that needed to occur in net. And Dubas bringing in David Riddick does that. And it also helps give rest to Campbell so you don't ride him for the entire season. You can kind of go with a three-goalie rotation to finish out the year, especially when you really clinch first place. Or if you can clinch first place, then you know you can play Riddick a bit more and kind of let Campbell rest. Let Anderson rest more, obviously, because you're not activating Anderson until game one of the playoffs. Pittsburgh Penguins got Jeff Carter, former Greyhound, for a couple conditional picks, a third and fourth. Great, another veteran move by Pittsburgh, bringing in somebody who can move all around the lineup. Very excited to see what Jeff can do. I remember watching him at the Memorial Gardens here in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, the old gardens where he'd come down the wing and snipe top Chet every time from the top of the circle on the right side or on the offside wing for him, and he was fantastic to watch Jeff Carter. Obviously one of the best Canada World Junior players that has seen based on the records. You can check that out if you haven't. Jeff Carter going to be attempting to make a run with the Pittsburgh Penguins. When you have that leadership type core, Pittsburgh hasn't had that success in the playoffs in a couple years. They're getting a bit older. This is one of the last hurrahs. I'm not surprised that uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins made a move here for Jeff Carter. What a great fit. Some other notable trades. The Edmonton Oilers bring in Dmitry Kulikov for conditional pick, a little depth on defense for the Edmonton Oilers. Again, they were not really looking to buy a lot. I think they're excited for the offseason to really look forward to dumping out contracts and hitting reset, but not a reset in terms of a rebuild, more of a retool to bring in some players to support somebody named Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel being another person. Not sure if you heard of those two superstars, but they're hockey players and they're pretty darn good. Gaudette and Matthew Highmore for Chicago and Vancouver swapping players. Gaudette, of course being involved in the Vancouver Canucks kind of COVID issues, but it's, he has been moved over to the Chicago Blackhawks. Obviously, there's more trades that occurred, and I said to everyone that I was kind of going to nitpick which ones I was going to discuss. And one that I want to give a notable shout-out to is Carl Soderberg going back to Colorado Avalanche. Good little depth move. Obviously, you lose out on Taylor Hall. You're unable to bring in Nick Foligno. Colorado, a team who doesn't really want to make too much change. They don't really need to. Uh, make as much change as maybe everyone thought they really had to, but this is a team who is first in their division and a very tough and competitive division as well. This is certainly a team that you don't need to make changes, only make enhancements as long as you don't sacrifice too much of the future. And obviously Joe Sackick felt that you would have had to sacrifice too much to make particular moves. And breaking this move, you get a couple prospects going over to Chicago and you bring in somebody that you know will be familiar uh, with your system there in Colorado. And with... Carl Soderberg, somebody who is 35 years old. He's a veteran. He's played over 500 games. He's played a lot over in Sweden before coming over to the to the National Hockey League. And obviously, in his last time with Colorado, he's got f- almost 50 points. This is a guy who got 51 points. He got 14 points, 37 points, and 49 points in his time over with the Colorado Avalanche. So he has had his time with Colorado. So this is something that he knows and will succeed in with the Avalanche. Sam Bennett goes from Calgary over to Florida. Sam Bennett, we all knew he was going to get traded. This is somebody who obviously was a fourth-round pick. Hasn't worked out for good old Sam Bennett. Okay, This is a guy that everyone thought coming into the league was going to be maybe like a second-line type guy. Everyone, so I know some people that thought he was going to be a first-line guy. I always felt him to being along the lines of a second, third-line guy, kind of like a Nazem Kadri, 
but I'm not saying he is a Nazem Kadri type guy um, right now because obviously the points will prove and kind of the player that he's turned out to be will show that he isn't. But that's where I thought he'd be when he entered the National Hockey League after having some success over obviously in Kingston with uh, having 91 points and 24 points in 11 games in his last season there. This is somebody who went into the training camp with Calgary this year, knew he was going to get traded. But speaking of training camps, go back to when he was in his entry draft when he couldn't even do a chin-up. And he still probably lives up to that right now. But this is somebody who has been rumored for the last couple seasons and moving him over to the Florida Panthers. This really, really describes the Florida team perfectly. A lot of players on this team that maybe don't like flash out as much as Toronto's main roster, I guess, well. But, of course, they have a lot of good talent on that team, such as Barkov. You have, of course, Huberto. You've made a move in the offseason to bring in Hornquist. But if you go down the list for a lot of players, they brought in Alex Wenberg, who was kind of on a chance after being released from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Nikita Gusev, there's a move that they signed somebody after his contract was terminated with the New Jersey Devils. Anthony Duclair, who had such... A great year last year. This is a lot of a lot of guys that were just gelling well together. And speaking of the Florida Panthers, of course, with Aaron Eckblad going down, which is so unfortunate after him having a Norris type season. Unfortunately for him, uh, you know the, he might be lucky to even be back next year based on that injury. So they did bring in Brandon Montour with the Buffalo Sabres to try to kind of add some more insurance to that decor. But they still have a lot of great talent on that decor that can really shut down teams, such as Gudis, such as uh, Forcing. Gus F. Forcing has been doing quite well in the games that I've watched with Florida. Uh, you also have Strollman. You have Mackenzie Weger. You have Keith Yandel, now Montour. They have, uh, they have type guys that they could make Everything work in Florida. Everything is gelling perfectly with the Florida Panthers. Mason Marchment, former Leaf, if everyone remembers, a lot of tough, great guy, bottom six guy. Guys that are gonna dr- that are literally gonna work you into the ground, and then their top guys such as Barkoff and Huberto will just make silly of you and put the goals on the on the board. But I'm very excited to see where Sam Bennett fits as well as Nikita Gusev. I feel like Gusev is gonna have a very strong fit there with the Florida Panthers. And with Anthony DeClaire, there's a guy who's only had 16 points this season. Hasn't been as good as he was last season. But again, this is maybe a type of guy when it comes down to the final stretch of the season and going into the playoffs that you want and maybe in that bottom six rotation. The NHL trade deadline also saw... Eric Gustafson moved from the Philadelphia Flyers again over to Montreal. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Montreal making those depth moves to really enhance uh, their depth options as they pursue towards the end of the year. A little bit again, that word I've used numerous times, insurance, as well as kind of ensuring that they can have the depth as they pursue towards the end of the year. And speaking of depth, the Toronto Maple Leafs bringing in Benton Hutton. He will be a seventh defenseman in Toronto. I know there's a lot of cases. Why wouldn't it be Sandine? Why wouldn't it be Lilia Grant? Listen, these guys are young guys. Don't rush them in. We all thought that Sandy was going to be in the lineup this year, but let me tell you, if I'm looking at seventh defenseman Ben Hutton, who played on the bottom pairing with the Anaheim Ducks, this is a good seventh defenseman to bring in for Toronto. It's better him than having Martin Marinson in the lineup, let me tell you that much. Erica Branson goes over from Ottawa over to the Nashville Predators for a prospect in a seventh-round pick. Ottawa did make some moves here today, nothing really flashy. In terms of Salim, but moving over, Eric will add again some depth to Nashville's defense as they continue to pursue the playoffs. Barbanov moved over to San Jose for Antti Samala for in Toronto, as I mentioned with Barbanov earlier. Alexander Barbanov is somebody who had a lot of expectations this year for Toronto, but he didn't live up to it. And Barbanov really shown that it wasn't a fit for him in Toronto. Maybe he can get going in San Jose. Jordy Ben goes over to Winnipeg from Vancouver. Again, Winnipeg, there's a team that did not buy. It's a team that did not buy. And I was very surprised that they did not do a lot of buying in the trade deadline. David McCaig here with the Top Shelf Edition presented by Norton Spirit Brewing Company. Make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe on the Game Sports Show platforms as well as make sure you check out Norton Spirit Brewing Company on Facebook and Instagram. And make sure you look at Thrush Creative Co. What a fantastic job to... Our website update that he's been putting in place so far and has done in general, Aaron Robinson, if you have any needs in terms of building a website or kind of any digital side of anything, anything of such in that realm, make sure you click the Thrush Creative Co. picture on our sponsors section on our website to check out Aaron 
Robertson. And Aaron Robertson is somebody I went to school with and I'm at school. I make sure I shout out to everyone to that. He, this is someone who's hardworking and passionate about what he does. And he is fantastic at what he does. Thrush Creative Co. And again, I want to give another shout out to, of course, Norton Superior Brewing Company. I've already said where to follow them. I want to know your favorite type of beer from Norton Superior. Comment below. Let me know. And we'll have a discussion. Back to the trades. Hayden Fleury goes over from the Carolina Hurricanes. A lot of expectations from Hayden Fleury. I think the Anaheim Ducks stole him from Carolina for Yanni Hakapana. And Hakapa is actually what I should say. Here I am butchering names. But 2022 sixth-round pick. Hayden Fleury is somebody who obviously had a lot of expectations uh, coming out of the draft. Okay? And getting drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes, I must remind everyone that he could draft a seventh overall in the 2014 draft. It hasn't been a great fit for him. 35 games this year, he has one goal, minus six rating on a team that's winning. This is somebody who is crammed in a tough defensive core in Carolina, and for him to go over to the Anaheim Ducks, he's going to have the opportunity to be with a team that's on kind of the retooling, built, rebuilding side. He's going to have a chance at the age of 24 to kind of really start to come out and see if he is going to be that top four defenseman that everyone presumed that he was going to be. The last trade I want to get into, the Washington Capitals and Detroit Red Wings. Everyone was probably waiting for me to jump into this one, so I'll spend a couple minutes into this before I wrap up the show, as I mentioned. A little bit shorter version. Yes, usually these are about over an hour long. We're just over the 40-minute mark right now, and a lot of talking that you've heard from me, a little bit of product placement as well. I appreciate everyone listening up to this point, again, here with top, the Top Shelf Edition of the Game Sports Show. The Washington Capitals... Acquired Anthony Mantha, Ryaka Vrana, Richard Panic, a first-round pick in this year's draft, 2021, and a 2022 second-round pick. All right. <clears throat> when I saw this trade, I was sitting down. I was uh, home from work, getting caught up in the trades, and I had an alert on my phone when I pulled into the driveway, and I looked at my phone. Obviously, this was one of those trades that came in more so at the end of the day. This is somebody... <clears throat> who is a power forward type mentality who could put the puck in the net. Someone who had 11 points in seven games at the 2014 World Juniors. He's been in the Red Wings organization since 2014. He got drafted first round 20th overall in that draft. If anyone wants to know, uh, Kirby Reichel went before him with Columbus. Frederick Gauthier, the GOAT, went after that. If you're a Toronto fan, youch. I remember sitting at home saying that Toronto should have drafted Anthony Mantha or Shea Fedor that year. And we all know that, again, I'm going to flex when I'm right and look how that would have worked out if they went that way. But nonetheless, back on point, and a lot of teams probably could have made those moves. But again, back on point, David, Anthony Mantha. This is somebody who is a part of the Detroit Red Wings organization right now who signed a long-term contract. He has 21 points in 42 games. He's a minus 14. He's on a team that is extremely struggling. All right, but a team that's looking to have their rebuild really get in the stage with obviously Lucas Raymond, William Wallander, guys, Moritz Sider, okay, Philip Sedinia, you have Joe Valeno, Michael Rasmussen. There, there's guys on this team that they're trying to get that extra ice time to. Dylan Larkin, of course, who's obviously their captain. This is somebody and Stevie Eisenman I'm talking about, that's looking to kind of go on a different spectrum of his rebuild. This is somebody who's 26 years old, but didn't see in his future. And right now, what I feel is, A, the value that he got for him, okay, is fantastic. And Yakov Rana, apparently, there's a lot of issues in terms of being inside Washington. And there's a lot of, a lot of quotes that were released. I'll give everyone the, the chance to really search out. But if you look at particular times, there was, uh, there was a lot of hurt being traded by the fans because a lot of people were referencing kind of flashbacks to Forsberg, if you will. But there wasn't a fit there. And you can look at different kind of quotes that were brought forward by the general manager and the coach. But there was a lot of speculation that there was with, with Yakov Rana not being happy in Washington with his fit, his body uh, was showing frustration. And him being able to go to the Detroit Red Wings is going to show something that's going to be ultimately fantastic of an opportunity. The guy has 25 points at 39 games. 
Obviously around better players than what Mantha was around. Just going to flat out say it. Former first round pick, 13th overall in the 2014 draft. That's the same draft as Aaron Eckblad, Sam Bennett, etc. Leon Dreisaitl, who went third in that draft. Obviously, if you're redrafting that, he's going first. But back on point again, Yakov Rand has a sniper-type mentality. Larkin can skate fast. He's a playmaker. He can put the puck in the net. But I see him more as a, someone who's going to pass first. And now who better than to maybe give the puck to Yakov Rana? Somebody who has scored 20 goals in back-to-back seasons. Last year in 69 games. Nice. 25 goals, 27 assists, 52 points. He did not show up for the bubble playoffs, though, if you want to go that route. In eight games, he had no points. But this is somebody who has more points right now than Anthony Mantha, who is a standout at the World Junior Championships for the Czech Republic, who has been fantastic with the Washington Capitals, been able to play in any, any part of the lineup. Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Ovechkin, power play. This is a trade that has everyone scratching their heads. But let's get real for a second. If you want to go look over at Cap Friendly right now, the Red Wings are the type of team that, as I've mentioned, are on that rebuild factor. Jakob Verana is an RFA this year. He may have been asking for more money. Maybe he didn't want term. But maybe there's a fit for him in Detroit where they can pay him and have that fit for him to really be exposed to being that top-tier guy that they so desire. Richard Panic has 2.7 left on his cap for the next three seasons, including this year. This is somebody that everyone may remember who was a former Toronto Maple Leaf, but he has been great in the National Hockey League. After he left Toronto, he went over to Chicago. He had 44 points in one of those years. He's been a consistent 20, 30-point guy who can be that bottom six depth in Detroit. Again, maybe you can have that Richard Panic come out that was out in 2016-17. The trade with Anthony Mantha for Verona, you could have made that trade straight up, in my opinion. But you add Panic in that first and that second, my goodness. Anthony Mantha, okay, is in a situation in Washington where he is going to be absolutely a force on that team. And the Washington Capitals, if you look at their on cap friendly, they're paying $5.7 million for Anthony Mantha. You shed the money with panic, 2.7, and now you have an RFA that you also knew that you maybe couldn't have signed because of his body language being negative from what we have understood in, in the locker room. And you also have Ilya Samsonov, who is an RFA, who is definitely going to be due for a raise. You have Ovechkin, who has his contract expiring this year. People may forget that. He doesn't have an extension yet. Will he take 9.5 again or will he be taking 10? So there's a little bit of another raise. This is a team that has a lot of money with a lot of different players that they need to pay up into. And I already mentioned Ovechkin and Samsonov being that. Verona, right now with their cap space used, they're right up against the cap. The cap is flatlining. Right now, the Washington Capitals need to be smart so they don't hinder that opportunity to have no depth inside their lineup. You have a lot of money towards John Carlson. You have money towards Justin Schultz, $4 million. You have Zendano Charles' contract who's coming off the books next year who most likely will retire after this year. But they did not have to pay Panic that 2.7 anymore and they didn't have to feel obligated to pay Verana who would have guaranteed gotten over $5.5 million. So you get rid of that somebody who's going to be making 5.5 if not more. You got rid of Panic's contract and now you got rid of a draft pick in a second though. I can't explain that. The Washington Capitals gave up a lot for Anthony Mantha. Detroit Red Wings and Eiserman fans should be licking their chops. He might be that force that I said on Washington, but I feel like this is not a successful trade unless Mantha is a 25-30 goal guy consistently, a 65-plus point guy consistently, with being a point-of-game type guy in the playoffs. Then I don't think, then I think this trade may be a win. Other than that, I can't see this trade being a win for the 
Washington Capitals. Somebody who is going to come into Washington, be in a successful spot, will he fit in? That remains to be seen. But Verana is going to be that one-man show with Larkin. I guess that'd be more of a two-man show, obviously, right? But he'd be that top guy that he's been waiting to be. He's going to get paid in Detroit. I would say maybe a bridge deal at maybe $6 million that he might re-sign in Detroit, get the money that he wants, really flash and show, show his sniping abilities even more standout in Detroit as he plays with Dylan Larkin. Mantha will be a force, as I mentioned, but the winners in this trade are the Detroit Red Wings. Whatever comes out of those picks, it don't matter. Iserman is at the helm making these picks. The guy is a genius. He built a fantastic organization in Tampa Bay, and he is going to be doing the same with the Detroit Red Wings organization as he continues this rebuild. The first and second pick, it doesn't matter. He brings in prospects, give them time to grow. You have Verano, who's going to up his value in a future trade potentially to get you even more of a return, or you're going to have somebody who's going to really turn out and have that chemistry with Dylan Larkin that they are awaiting to see. You've got Lucas Raymond still coming up. I'm a big fan of Cider on the DN. This is something good that you trade Red Wings and you should have a thumbs up for Eisenman. But overall, my analysis on this trade, Mantha will be a force. Verana will be a force. He'll be more free in Detroit, if you will. Richard Panic, if they can have the panic that was there in Chicago, doesn't even matter if it's a guy in Chicago. If it's a guy who can get 20, 25 points, who cares? The bottom six guy, that is great win for Eisenman. But that first and second round pick, that's just cherry on top of the cake. Winners in this trade, again, I'll say it, the Detroit Red Wings. What do you think below Again, I would love to see your reasons if you think that Washington's were winners on this. The only way they win this trade is on the performance of Verana, the selection of that first and second round pick. Panic will be kind of the mystery in this trade. But if Mantha can be just under a point of game guy and be a point of game guy in the playoffs, then maybe they win this trade. Sorry, but good job to Eiserman. Washington fans, yikes. Yikes. You might be right. Might be looking at a Forsberg trade 2.0 potentially here. No offense to Mantha. I know there's listeners of the show who are friends with Anthony Mantha, so I won't talk. I'm not, I don't, I'm not sitting here talking shit. I'm just speaking the truth. It's a lot to give up, Anthony Mantha. Now you got to feel that pressure. You want to be that go-to type guy? You're now playing with Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Oshie. you got Tom Wilson there. you got players there. They're going to keep you in line, if you will, but also are going to be able to give you the room to shoot the puck and drive the net. Show the type of player that you were supposed to be drafted to that maybe will have a difference of opinion. But again, I'll say for the fifth time probably, the winners of this trade, the Detroit Red Wings. That has been all the trade recap that I want to get to. We almost hit the hour actually now that I'm looking at it. So the fun thing is about doing the kind of the pre-recorded uploads and not doing it live is that there is no time limit. But of course, we want to make sure we keep the content frequent. And I feel that I was able to do so here today. Let me know on your thoughts below of all the trades that have occurred. And I kind of want to get this recap show out, as I mentioned, as soon as possible because it is certainly uh, imperative to get all the reactions best as we can right away. There's a lot of show uploads that there is going to be this week. And that is, okay, going to be, as I mentioned, with this upload, we've had our ESPN show. There's going to be and one later this week. But Martin St. Pierre's upload is going to be electric this week. Make sure you check it out. He has retired since the upload, obviously. But make sure you check out what we are going to be bringing up with the Martin St. Pierre interview and later on this week with other shows, even such as The Hot Seat with EJ Russell and more of the uploads you can check out on thegamesportshow.com. This has been the Top Shelf Edition with David McKeg and the product placement commercials opposed to commercials. But again, the North Spear Brewing Company, make sure you check them out on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you have the opportunity to look at North Spear Brewing Company and see their products that they have. It's absolutely delicious. And inside Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it is free local deliveries. Fantastic. You should be at home anyways. It's locked down. Why not order a couple pints, especially when it comes to the weekend? So make sure you check out Norrin Superior and check us out on social media. Don't hesitate to like, follow, and subscribe. I'm here to remind you, let's get into our sign-off portion here. Thank you for joining me. To keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.